Welcome to Growing in Grace with Pastor Victor Morrison. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas. We are praying that God will bless you as you listen to this message. If you would like additional information on worship times and ministries at FBC Columbus, you can find out more at our website, fbccolumbustx.org. And now, take your copy of God's Timeless Word as Pastor Victor gives today's message. Welcome to Growing Grace. I'm so glad that you're listening. I pray that God's going to bless you through what you're about to hear. Do you like to take tests? I don't think everybody likes taking tests. Maybe very few people like taking tests. But do you know what to do when the Lord tests you? That's what we're going to look at today. And I want to uh, direct your attention to Psalm 11. Psalm 11. Uh, Twice in this psalm, we're told that the Lord tests us. You'll hear it when I read it through in a moment in verse 3. You'll hear it again in verse 4. But we know from the inscription that this psalm was written by David. And so what I want us to do is sort of listen in as David talks to us about the Lord's tests. You know, the Lord definitely tested this man, David. The Lord gave him exams throughout his whole life. Uh, I can think of at least three or four different classrooms, if you will. For example, you remember when he was out in the country and he was watching over the sheep? Definitely during those formative years, he was teaching him. He was speaking to him. He was testing him. And so all of those kind of tests, they counted. But then later, uh, after he defeats Goliath, he is welcomed into the king's court. He's in there with uh, King Saul and uh, everything was going well. I think he probably had some tests in there. I would definitely say it's a test whenever someone uh, like a king hurls a spear at you and you have to dodge it. I would say that's, uh, that's definitely a test. But then uh, the king kept on after David uh, for no good reason, might I add. And so he had to go hiding. And so he would go into the uh, wilderness, into uh, forests and so forth and hide out in caves. So during that uh, time in the caves, he definitely was uh, being tested. But then, of course, you, you would have to say that when he has two of his own adult children who rebel against him, who not only rebel against him, like I think so many parents can see sometimes, you know, a child go through a stage of rebellion. But now these two uh, boys, once they got to become men, they wanted to actually overthrow his throne and take his place. And so all of these things meant that this guy, David, he was constantly being tested. So I want us to uh, look at Psalm 11. You can listen along and uh, let me just read. I'm reading from the uh, ESV translation, but here's the way it uh, reads from verse 1 down through verse 7. It's really short, but let me tell you, it's powerful. So get ready. In the Lord, I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne 
is in heaven. His eyes see. His eyelids test the children of man. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Let him rain coals on the wicked. Fire and sulfur and scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous, for he loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold his face. Before we get started in looking at the test that David uh, took and the test that he received from the Lord and all that he went through with that, I want to share a story about uh, another test. It happened right here uh, in America. Carl Sandburg uh, wrote many things about Abraham Lincoln, but in one of his works called Abraham Lincoln, The Prairie Years and the War Years, he tells the story how Abraham Lincoln needed a dispatch rider so that he could entrust important correspondence that he could send to the battlefield during the Civil War. He wanted to be able to speak with his generals. And so he said, I need somebody I can trust. So they found a young man that was uh, young enough and strong enough to ride on a horse and to dodge all these different uh, bullets that I'm sure were flying during the Civil War. And so anyway, they said, look, the president is counting on you. Here is the letter that you need to get to the general. So he takes off. So he's on his first mission and he barely got away. And then someone intercepts him along the way and says, look, I'll give you a hundred bucks if you will let me just look at that letter. And the man says, no, sir, I cannot do that. I've got to deliver this only for the general. It's for his eyes only. So he just uh, goes around the man in the road and uh, keeps on riding and delivers the correspondence. The second time, same thing. The guy offers him $200, which during that time, back in the 1860s, this would have been big money. He said, all I'm asking is just let me see it, and then you can put it back in your bag. No, sir. So he uh, dodges around him and, and, and turns down $200. So then finally, the man, the same man, intercepts him on his third mission and says, look, I just want to look at it. And you know what that, that rider said? The rider pulled his revolver from his side and he said, sir, you're coming with me. And he took that uh, letter and that man back to the wine house and turned him over to, I guess, Secret Service or whatever kind of guards they had and said, this man needs to be uh, arrested. He has tried to uh, take my letter three times now and I need him off the roads. And so at that time, the Secret Service agent said, so uh, actually you passed the test because we sent that man. We wanted to know if we could trust you. So really what they were trying to do was not to tempt him to do something bad, to betray his country, betray the president and so forth. What they were trying to do was to test him for faithfulness. Would he be faithful if offered money or would he be true to the mission? You know, that's why I think God's testing us. He's testing us not so we'll fail, but he wants us to pass. He wants to see, are you sincere? Are you committed in what I'm asking you to do? 
So I want us to look at Psalm 11, and I just want to share a few principles that stood out to me in my own personal devotion time, and I hope they'll be a blessing to you. The first thing that I couldn't help but notice is in verse 1 and verse 4 and verse 5 and verse 7. Over and over again, David is telling us who is giving the tests in life. Who's the instructor? What is his name? His name is the Lord. In Hebrew, it was the holy name Yahweh. Do you know that that name is mentioned 6,800 times in the Old Testament? I would say that's fairly frequently, wouldn't you? I mean, it's mentioned in every Old Testament book except for Esther, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. It was first revealed by the Lord to Moses in Exodus 3, verses 13 through 15, when he told him, I need to know your name. And God said, I am who I am. You tell him that's who sent you. So I was looking on a certain website called Bible Study Tools, and it provided some interesting background on the name Yahweh and what did it mean to David. I don't know what that name Yahweh or Lord means when you read it, but here's what it would have meant to people in the Old Testament days. These are some of the the images that would have been brought to their mind whenever David or others would have wrote down the name Lord or Yahweh. The first one was, when you say Yahweh, you're talking about somebody who is self-existent, somebody who is eternal, somebody that's not going to ever die, never change, someone that does not depend on another person for their existence. That's powerful. But also, when they heard the name Yahweh, they thought of someone who is relational, a relational God, a relational God Thirdly, who's with us so that we're not alone. Do you know that God is with you today? He's also, Yahweh means unchanging. Yahweh is an unchanging God. He is holy. He's incomparable. He keeps his part of the covenant. All of those were images that would have come to their minds when David wrote down these words All these different verses that we see, verse 1, verse 4, verse 5, verse 7, over and over again, who is it that's giving the test? Well, he says, the Lord tests the righteous. When he said, Lord, this is the kind of instructor they would have thought about. So no matter what kind of uncertainty that you may be feeling, I want you to rest on this one certainty that you can know Know that you know that you know the Lord is on his throne and he will ultimately work all things together for good for those who know him, who love him, who are called according to his purpose. The Lord is the instructor. He is the administrator of the tests. But I want to move to a second thing because it's very real. Have you ever heard of test anxiety? Well, I want to talk about the intimidation that can happen before a test. Whenever you're sitting down to complete a test, can you go back to that moment, whether it was a driving test, whether it was a test when you were in college or in high school, have you ever felt some kind of test anxiety? Well, you know, people that deal with this, I mean, medical professionals say, well, people can go through fear, 
frustration. They can feel a sense of doom before the test even begins. They don't even know what the question is. They already feel like, I've had it. I'm not going to make it. They can feel nauseous. They can feel angry. They can get headaches. They can have heart palpitations. They can go through fast and shallow breathing. They can even feel faint. I'm telling you, all of these things happen. They sometimes feel like, I can't concentrate. I can't remember what I've studied. Well, David knew what it was to be afraid, but he also knew a way to displace fear. And that was with faith. David displaced his fears with his faith. Someone in his circle of friends advised him, David, look, you better run away there, big boy. You better get out of here. You better flee to the mountain like a bird. That's what they said. They said, how can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain? So in other words, they're telling him, David, you better get out of here. But why were they saying that? Well, they were saying that because the wicked would have been in the bow. They fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. So that's why they were talking about it. But you know, one time whenever Jesus was in the boat with the disciples, a, a terrible storm blew in. The disciples got stressed out. They actually accused Jesus of not even caring about them. And later Jesus said to them, why are you afraid, oh, you of little faith? What had they forgotten at that moment when the test was there? Well, let me give you a hint to the answer to that one. It later says that those same disciples, after he calmed the, the storm and everything got peaceful, they said to themselves, what sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? You see, if they would have had the presence of mind to steady their faith on who God was, they wouldn't have been intimidated before a test. There was a Puritan who lived a long time ago named William Gurnall. He had a saying that trouble times are praying times. And that's exactly what David did. In verse one, it says, in the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain? So in other words, what he's saying is, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to let fear drive my life. I'm going to let my faith in, in the Lord, in the sovereignty of God, determine my actions. Well, let's move to a third thing, and that is the instrumentality of a test. You know, were all the tests that you took in your life, were they all the same? I can remember taking matching tests, true and false, multiple choice. There were a lot of different kinds. There was even some where it'd be like an essay type of test. You know, the Lord may use anything to test his people. Well, who was he using in verse two? This is kind of strange, isn't it? Because verse two, these people that are talking in David's ear, here's what they're saying. The wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. So in other words, what are they saying? Well, they're saying, you know what? These people are bad. You can't trust them. But what they were overlooking was, who is Lord over even the wicked? God. God's over the wicked. So God doesn't want us to go through life being afraid 
of every wicked person that's out there. As a matter of fact, there was a prophet named Habakkuk in the Old Testament, and he was just pouring out his heart. He was burdened for his country. He was burdened about all the sin that he saw among his people. And God assured him, hey, Habakkuk, calm down there because I've got a plan. Well, he said, that's good then. You've got a plan, so we're in good shape. God said, yep, that's right. I'm going to use the Babylonians to carry out my will. <laughs> and I think Habakkuk must have picked himself out of the floor when he slid out of the floor whenever God said that. And he said, wait a minute, what? You're going to use Babylonians? You know what? The Lord may use any of the following to test his people. Let me give you a list of uh, some of the possible things that he might use. How about this one? A difficult new assignment. Does God always have to do everything the same exact way in your life every single year, every single you know, month, every single season? No, he doesn't have to do that. He may give you a new task, and that new task may be a real test for you. How about a major change? How about this one? A delayed promise. You remember when God promised Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. And then what did he ask you know, Abraham to do? To offer up that son. Oh no, wait a minute. This isn't right. This can't be what God wants. How about an unsolvable human problem? Let's rewind the tape. Let's go back to Abraham. You know, there was a point where Abraham and Sarah well, they were way up there in terms of their age. And yet the Lord kept on insisting, no, I'm going to give you a son. It seemed humanly impossible, but it was a test. What appears to us as a senseless loss, what appears to us as nothing more than some kind of meaningless prolonged pain in our lives, all of those things. Do you remember the apostle Paul? saying, I've got a thorn in my side. I've got a thorn in the flesh. I can't seem to get rid of this. And he keeps on praying about it. And God is saying, no, no, I'm allowing that to be right there in your life. Look at verse three. There's something else that I noticed here, and it's the insecurity during a test. You ever feel insecure? I think those advisors that were talking to David, they definitely felt insecure. Because when you push on down into verse 3, they're still talking. I mean, it's still in the quotation marks, right? From flee like a bird. Well, that whole thing is in quotation marks until the end of verse 3. But what did they say in verse 3? Was this what David was saying to them? Or was this what they were saying to David? It wasn't the man of faith. It was the men who were being controlled by their fears. And verse 3 says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? You see what they were saying? You know, I think sometimes we need to take a long, hard look at what it is we're trusting in, in life. Are we building our life upon the rock? You know, uh, in Matthew 7, verses 24 to 29, Jesus taught a parable. And he said, look, there's two men who are going to build a house. One man chose to build his house upon sand. The other man, he chose wisely. He built his house upon the rock. So when the storms blew against the two homes, it became obvious that the man whose foundation was built upon the rock stood the test of the storms. But the man who built his home upon the sand, well, 
it all washed away. There was a man who lived a, a while back named Edward Moat. His parents were not Christian parents. His parents owned a pub, and he learned to be a cabinet maker, and he heard a sermon one time. I don't think his parents were even there, but he was 15 years of age. He committed his life to the Lord. He continued to work as a cabinet maker for all of his life until he turned 55. But at 55 years of age, you know what he surrendered to do? He said, I believe God's calling me to preach. I believe God wants me to serve as a pastor. And so he became a pastor for 21 years. But he also was given these incredible songs. One of those songs that he was given is a song called On Christ the Solid Rock. On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand, All Other Ground is Sinking Sand. You ought to go back and check out the words to that hymn sometime of the solid rock. Man, that's a powerful one. If we get shaken by every test that God gives us, maybe we need to check the foundation. Make sure that we're standing on Christ, the solid rock. Make sure that we're building our lives on the word of God. But I want to go to verse four, because I think it introduces yet another truth that we see about those times when the Lord tests. It says the Lord tests the righteous. The Lord tests the righteous. You know, that word test there is he wants to find out what we're made of. And so I, I was thinking, you know, if anybody was tested in the Bible, it was the man Job. Have you ever read through the book of Job? If you haven't, I encourage you to read it. It's really shocking. But do you know that five times in the book of Job, it uses the word test. Wow. As a matter of fact, one of those times is Job 23.10. What do you think he meant when he wrote these words? But he, talking about God, but God knows the way that I take. And when he's tried me, I shall come forth as gold. I shall come out as gold. Hey, that sounds a, a lot similar to what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 where he says, we're going to be tried and it's going to be the trying of our faith. But he says, we should want our faith to come forth as gold. Make sure that it's certain. You know, if there's one thing that God's tests will, will determine, it will reveal our heart. It will reveal our character. It will reveal our faith. It will reveal our motivation. It will reveal what we're really interested in in life. You know, just like that that uh, express rider that was taking those uh, correspondences uh, from the White House during the days of Abraham Lincoln to the general. They're just testing for faithfulness. You know, I read uh, where the wife of John Adams wrote a friend a letter during the darkest days of the Revolutionary War. And here's what she wrote. I am apt to think that our later misfortunes have called out the hidden excellencies of our commander-in-chief, referring to George Washington. Then she quoted a poet named Edward Young who wrote these words, Affliction is the good man's shining time. Wow, that's what adversity is all about. It's an opportunity for us to shine. You know, I don't know how you feel 
across, across Texas, we have different opinions on this. <laughs> but at the University of Texas, the counselor there is a career Navy SEAL. And he wrote a book called Sea Stories. His name is William H. McRaven. But he recalls a time when a group of uh, recruits were being tested in the cold waters of the Pacific after three days of hard drills. And so the guy that was testing them, uh, standing on the shore, not in the water, all the, the seals had already been up for several days in a row. And so now they're standing out there shivering in that cold uh, water. And he says to them, look, if you guys want this all to stop, then just one of you, just one of you can go up on the hill and ring the bell and I'll let all of you get out of this cold water. So how about it? Who's going to quit today? And you know what those seals did? They huddled up together and they said to one another, let's stay close. Let's use our body heat. Don't quit. No one leave this circle. And so they huddled up right there and they stood together. Man, those guys passed the test, don't you think? That inspection didn't get to them. Well, there's some people that aren't going to pass the test because they reject Jesus Christ. For those who reject Christ, they're going to be insufficient on passing the test. Oh, they may say, I'm better than this one. I'm better than that one. But you know what? Without the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the Lord's going to look past all of that and we're going to face his wrath. We're going to face his judgment. And you know, in these verses five and six, you see God comparing his judgment to fire, to wind, to even a portion in a cup, referring to a poisonous drink. Listen, no matter how strong you think you are, no matter how good that we think we are, I put myself in the same thing. My righteousness is as filthy rags. It will be insufficient for the test of salvation. Have I placed my faith in Christ? If you place your faith in Christ, then verse 7 tells us, what can we expect to inherit? What is the inheritance after the test? If I've said yes to trusting Jesus Christ, you know, the Bible says that Jesus twice in Matthew 10, 24 and 25 and Luke 6, 40 said that, you know what a disciple's main test is? A disciple should want, when he's fully trained, is going to be just like his teacher. That's what the ultimate test for a uh, disciple is, to become like Christ, right? Well, it says in verse 7, for the Lord's righteous. Okay, so he's righteous. And then it says, he loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold his face. Man, that's great, isn't it? The only thing that is challenging about that verse, I can't be righteous. I mean, I can try, I want to be righteous, but the fact is I just fall so short. But you know what Jesus did? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 introduces me, introduces you, all of us who put our faith and trust in Christ to something called imputed righteousness. It's whenever, it's not what we earned, it's not what we worked for and achieved, but it's what Jesus had. He did all those perfect works of righteousness. So whenever we put our faith and trust in him, you know what he does? He on the cross, he took all of our sins. Our sins were placed upon him. And then God, I don't know how this happened, but there was a transfer. 
and he took all of Christ's righteousness and he imputed that. He transferred that to my account and to your account. And so as a result, you know what we have to look forward to? The upright shall behold his face. Do you know, I find that comforting that I can count on heaven, not because I can pass every test and not because I am so perfect and have all these righteous deeds in my corner. No, but because Jesus, he perfectly obeyed the father. And when I put my faith and trust in him, man, all the tests that I still mess up and fail, you know what? I'm covered. I'm covered by the robe of righteousness. I'm covered by the blood of Christ. What a great joy. I want you to know that joy. Let me close our uh, podcast today by just praying for you. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much for our friends who always are coming and listening. Lord, even myself, I just sit here in awe at the word of God. I sit here in awe to think that Jesus Christ, his righteousness is the rock that I can build my life upon. I want all my friends to build their lives also upon the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Because really, this is the truth, Lord. I'm going to acknowledge it for my life. And I hope my friends would acknowledge it individually in their lives. The truth is, everything else is shifting sand. And so no matter what they're trusting in, help them say, Lord, I can't pass all those tests. Only you, only your son has passed all those tests. And so I'm going to trust in the finished, perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ, that his blood was shed for me and you approved it because you raised him from the dead. So anyway, thank you, Lord, for the tests. I know that when you test us, all you want to know is, will you be faithful? All I want to know is, are you trusting in my son and his perfect faithfulness? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Listen, you have a great week. I'm so glad you were with us today. God bless you. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.